Good morning, good morning. It's good to be home back here in Georgia. Um, today is March 11th, and it is Friday, and we are starting the book of Judges, chapters 1 through 3, and then we have Psalm 70, and of course we have the video uh, overview of Judges. So let's ask the Lord's blessing. We'll get into that video. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, getting Jill and I home safely, and uh, Lord, we just uh, ask that you guide us right now, that you just uh, uh, fill us with your spirit, Lord, and give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, as we uh, just start this new book of your word. Okay, after Joshua's death, the Israelites turn away from God and break the covenant. This begins a cycle of rebellion, repentance, and restoration as God patiently stays committed to an unfaithful people. Let's watch that video. The Book of Judges. So remember, after Joshua led the tribes of Israel into the Promised Land, he called them to be faithful to their covenant with God by obeying the commands of the Torah. And if they do this, they will show all the other nations what God is like. So Judges begins with the death of Joshua and basically tells the story of Israel's total failure. The book's name comes from the type of leaders Israel had in this period. Before they had any kings, the tribes were all governed by these judges. Now don't think of a courtroom. These were regional political military leaders, more like a tribal chieftain. And you need to be warned, the book of Judges is very disturbing and violent. It tells the tragic tale of Israel's moral corruption, of its bad leadership, and basically how they become no different than the Canaanites. But this sad story is also meant to generate hope for the future. And you can see this in how the book's designed. There's a large introduction that sets the stage for Israel's failure as they don't drive out the remaining Canaanites. Then the large main section of the book has stories about the growing corruption of Israel's judges. And the progression here shows how Israel's leaders go from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. The concluding section is really disturbing and shows the corruption of the people of Israel as a whole. So let's dive in and we can explore each part a bit more. The opening section begins with the tribes of Israel in their territories in the Promised Land. And while Joshua defeated some key Canaanite towns, there was still a lot of land to be taken and lots of Canaanites living in those areas. And so chapter 1 gives a long list of Canaanite groups and towns that Israel just failed to drive out from the land. Now remember, the whole point of driving out the Canaanites was to avoid their moral corruption and their way of worshiping the gods through child sacrifice. God had called Israel to be a holy people, and that does not happen. Chapter 2 describes how Israel just moved in alongside the Canaanites and adopted all their cultural and religious practices. And it's right here that the story stops. For nearly a whole chapter, the narrator gives us an overview of everything that's about to happen in the body of the book. This part of Israel's history, the narrator says, was a series of cycles moving in a downward spiral. So Israel became like the Canaanites, and so they would sin against God. So God would allow them to be conquered and oppressed by the Canaanites, and eventually the Israelites would see the error of their ways and repent. So God would raise up a deliverer, a judge, from among Israel who would defeat the enemy and bring about an era of peace. But eventually Israel would sin again, and it would all start over. 
This cycle provides the literary design and flow for the next main section of the book. It gets repeated for each of the six main judges whose stories are told here. Now the stories of the first three judges, Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah, they are epic adventures. They're also extremely bloody stories. Either the judge themselves or people who help the judge, they defeat their enemies and deliver the people of Israel. The stories about the next three judges are longer, and they focus in on the character flaws of the judges, which get increasingly worse. So Gideon, he begins pretty well. He's a coward of a man, but he eventually comes to trust that God can save Israel through him. And so he defeats a huge army of Midianites with only 300 men carrying torches and clay pots. But Gideon has a nasty temper, and he murders a bunch of fellow Israelites for not helping him in his battle. And then it all goes downhill from there. He makes an idol from the gold that he won in his battles. And then after he dies, all Israel worships the idol as a god, and the cycle begins again. The next main judge is Jephthah, who's something of a mafia thug living up in the hills. And when things get really bad for Israel, the elders come to him begging for his help. And Jephthah was a very effective leader. He won lots of battles against the Ammonites, but he was so unfamiliar with the God of Israel, he treats him like a Canaanite God. He vows to sacrifice his daughter if he wins the battle. This tragic story, it shows just how far Israel has fallen. They no longer know the character of their own God, which leads to murder and to false worship. The last judge, Samson, is by far the worst. His life began full of promise, but he has no regard for the God of Israel. He was promiscuous, violent, and arrogant. He did win brutally strategic victories over the Philistines, but only at the expense of his own integrity, and his life ends in a violent rush of mass murder. Now, a quick note here. You'll notice a repeated theme in the main section of the book, that at key moments, God's Spirit will empower each of these judges to accomplish these great acts of deliverance. Now, the fact that God uses these really screwed up people doesn't mean he endorses all or even any of their decisions. God is committed first and foremost to saving his people, but all he has to work with is these corrupt leaders. And so work with them, he does. This whole section is designed to show just how bad things have gotten. You can't even tell the Israelites and the Canaanites apart anymore, and that's just the leaders. The final section shows Israel as a whole hitting bottom. There are two tragic stories here, and they are not for the faint of heart. They're structured by this key line that gets repeated four times at the close of the book. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The first story is about an Israelite named Micah who builds a private temple to an idol, and that gets plundered by a private army sent from the tribe of Dan. So they come and they steal everything, and then they go and burn down the peaceful city of Laish and murder all of its inhabitants. It's a horrifying story. When Israel forgets its God, might makes right. The final story of the book is even worse. It's a shocking tale of sexual abuse and violence, which all leads to Israel's first civil war. It's very disturbing. And that's the point. These stories are meant to serve as a warning. Israel's descent into self-destruction is the result of turning away from the God who loves them and saved them out of slavery in Egypt. And now Israel needs to be delivered again from themselves. 
The only glimmer of hope in this story is found in this repeated line in the last part of the book. It actually forms the last sentence of the story. Israel has no king. And so the stage is set for the following books to tell the origins of King David's family, the book of Ruth, and also the origins of kingship itself in Israel, the book of First Samuel. But the story of Judges has value as a tragedy. It's a sobering explanation of the human condition, and ultimately it points out the need for God's grace to send a king who will rescue his people. And that's the book of Judges. Okay, let's get into Judges chapter 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated ten thousand of them at Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek at Bezek, and fought against him, and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table as I have done. So God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. And the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterwards the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country, in the Negeb, and in the lowland. And Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And they defeated Shishai and Ahiman and Tal Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir, and the name of Debir was formerly Kiriath-Sephir, and Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath-Sephir and captures it, I will give him Aksha, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it, and he gave him Aksha, his daughter, for a wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she was dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have sent me in the land of the Negeb. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And the descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negeb near Arad. And they went and settled with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and devoted it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Judah also captured Gaza with its territory and Ashkelon with its territory and Ekron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from it the three sons of Anak, 
But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem, so the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord <clears throat> was with them. And the house of Joseph scouted out Bethel, and the name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. And he showed them the way into the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz. That is its name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, so the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalol. So the Canaanites lived among them, but became subject to forced labor. <laughs> Excuse me. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko, or the inhabitants of Sidon, or of Alab, or of Akzib, or of Helba, or of Aphek, or of Rahab. So, or Rahab. So the Rehab. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down in to the plain, the Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Hears, in Ajalon, and in Shalbim. But the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim from Selah and upward. Chapter 2. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of that place Bacham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his own in, to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath Hears, 
in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all the generation were also gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of the enemies all the days of that judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who, had, who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Chapter 3. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan, it was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived at Mount Lebanon. From Mount Baal Hermon as far as Lebo Hamath, there were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses, so the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and the Asheroth, Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the land, hand of the Cushian Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rithamaim eight years, Rishathaim, Cushan Rishathaim, eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them. 
Othmiel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othmiel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera, the, Benj- uh, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute to him by Eglon, the king of Moab, and Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes, and he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man, and when Eglon and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute, but he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence, and all his attendants went out from his presence, and Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in the in his cool roof chamber, and Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, and Ehud reached with his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out, and Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came, and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sirah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpets in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country. He was their leader. And they said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies to the Moabites, given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anoth, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also saved Israel. Okay, Psalm 70 is titled, O Lord, Do Not Delay. It's to the choir master. It's a psalm of David for the memorial offering. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confused. And let them be put to shame and confusion. 
who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor, who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame, who say, Aha! Aha! May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. O Heavenly Father, we just thank you, glorify you, and praise you, Lord, and just so sorry for us, for mankind, to, to always, it seems as though we always, would left to our own, we always choose evil, we always choose to go against you, Lord, to rebel against you, and to go after false gods and the enemy, Lord. We're just thankful, Lord, that you help us to to come to you. And I'm sorry that we need that help, but Lord, we're so thankful that you give us that help, Lord. That we see you raising up. We see you uh, allowing difficult times, Lord, for the children of Israel to have an opportunity to cry out to you, to come back to you, Lord. And and then we see, uh, we see them, you uh, restoring them, drawing them back close to you, Lord, until it happens all over again with maybe the next generation, Lord. Father, we're so thankful that you have given us victory. Lord, that you have been victorious on our behalf over sin and the sin nature, Lord. And we're just sorry that I'm sorry that we're we want to always, always tend to, to try to go back to that, Lord. Just that desire of our flesh to go back to terrible things, Lord, and... Uh, Father, I just help us change our desires, Lord, uh, uh, to just be more and more and more towards you and towards your kingdom and towards your goodness and your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, you and your attributes are in no comparison to the enemy and his terrible evil filthy attributes, Lord. It's just ridiculous that our hearts will desire to go that way, Lord. It's just crazy, Lord. And help us, Father, to just see how terrible and ridiculous the enemy and his attributes are. That There's nothing good in that at all. Uh, for us, Lord, but all you have, everything you have, everything about you is so good for us, so perfect for us, Lord. So, Lord, help us to see that. Help us to walk in your ways and your desires, Lord, uh, with your heart. 
with your attitudes and your attributes, your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord. Lord, just accomplish your will on this earth. And and I see now why you desire us to ask for that, Lord, because so many don't want your will. Our natural desire is the will of the enemy and the filth and the of this world, Lord, but we desire that your will would be done, Lord, that your attributes, your love, your grace, your mercy would shine strong in this world, Lord, that you would be a beacon of hope to, to those that are stuck in the world, Lord, that just can't see past <clears throat> the filth and the the bondage that they're in, Lord, that they're just trapped. Uh, and so, Lord, we just lift up uh, one another up to you, Lord. We lift up those that don't know you, that are lost, that are just stuck in this world. They just don't don't even know that, some don't know that there's even a better way, Lord, that you're there, that you're available, that you desire to have them be part of your kingdom and adopt them as their your own children, Lord. And so, Father, we just ask that you would accomplish your will, that you would do your desire on this earth, Lord. And Lord, we know that the, the enemy has some, some given him a little slack in the leash for a time, Lord, but we know that the day will come when that'll be over, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would, would draw more and more people to yourself, Lord. Less let more and more away from the enemy and to you. Lord, thank you for providing for us such abundance, Lord. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us and help us to forgive others, Lord. Lord, we lift up uh, Al to you. We thank you that the surgery was successful, Lord. We just praise you and glorify you for that, Lord. And Lord, now we just ask that you would continue to heal his body, Lord, that uh, there wouldn't be any uh, infection or any problems like that, Lord, that, that the wounds would heal up completely, Holy Lord, that uh, the pain that Al has just been suffering for so long would be relieved, Lord, that, uh, that his, his, uh, the nerves would be not, uh, no longer pinched and causing those issues, Lord. And so, Father, we just ask for complete healing, for pain relief, Lord. Uh, for Al, Lord, just help him to uh, follow the doctor's directions on the on the rehab and all of that lord to uh, just to help strengthen that area and just to just to bring it back lord uh, and father we're just thankful for this the technology that you've given us uh, for things like this lord and so often we use technology for uh, for not good things for sin for evil things but lord uh, so often this technology, the, the mind that you've put into men, the ability to, to learn and to, 
uh, invent things, Lord. There are some pretty amazing things, Lord, that you have uh, allowed us to uh, invent, that you've put in the minds of men to, uh, just to help. Uh, and so, Lord, we're just thankful for that. And uh, Lord, we ask that you be with Lynn and whatever's going on with that uh, um, vertigo that he's feeling, the dizziness, Lord, and we know that that's an amazing design that you would put in our our inner ears, Lord, to give us that stability. And, and uh, Lord, and uh, Lens is just uh, messed up right now, Lord. It's been uh, dislodged or whatever, uh, however you describe it, Lord. But we just ask that you would uh, put those put things back into position, Lord. That you would restore his stability, Lord. Uh, that you would uh, uh, just get him back on his feet, Lord. Back uh, to taking care of his wife, Lord. And we just lift up Pam to you, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you would use this uh, time just as an opportunity to maybe reset her way of thinking, Lord. She would see how much she cares for her husband and loves him and how much he cares for her, Lord. And that she would just lift this delusion from her mind, Lord, and reveal the truth uh, to her, Lord. And uh, so we just lift this whole situation <clears throat> up to you, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you be with those, uh, Bob and his family, just with the uh, loss of Dana, and uh, just uh, thank you for the, uh, there's, there's just a huge amount of support, the big, uh, the support structure that he has, Lord, there's so many people, and friends, and so many family members, Lord, and co-workers, Lord, and so we just, uh, we just ask that you would just uh, protect Bob, that uh, you would just draw him closer to you through this, not further away, Lord, and and that you would just uh, uh, provide the, uh, encourage the, the people, his uh, family, his parents and sisters and friends, Lord, to just call at the right times, the times that he needs the, uh, the encouragement, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, as he just goes through this process of mourning, and, and so we just ask for your comfort, Lord, you promised to. For those that mourn, they will be comforted, Lord. And so, and thank you for that, Father. And Lord, be with us today. Lord, just help it to be just a great day of glorifying you, praising you, Lord, reflecting you to those around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, have a great day, guys.